The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Okay, it's time to go to Carl Thomas and Marion McKeown in the United States. Marion, has President Joe Biden done enough in relation to the fires in Hawaii? And has he gone to support the people of Hawaii quickly enough? Uh, I think they're two separate things, Matt. Uh, firstly, yes, he absolutely went there quickly enough. When when first responders and local government are dealing with a rapid onset catastrophe, which this was a disaster like this, the last thing they need is the Secret Service coming in and doing their reccees and getting in the way, etc., etc. It's just a nuisance. And people, you know, political leaders who insist on being first on, on the scene, they're, they're usually just in the way. Um, whether or not, I, I found his, his appearance there really lethargic. I thought that it didn't go well for him. I thought that he wasn't anything like as, as inspirational or, or just, he just seemed old and frail, basically, in, in his attempts to, to comfort the people there. FEMA is giving out the standard FEMA, which is the $700 checks, etc. But in the face of this, where, you know, a whole town has been just devastated, it doesn't seem like enough. But, you know, America is heading into a real problem because, you know, there's a, a tropical storm in Texas today. There was one in California over the weekend. Uh, there, a climate change means there are more and more catastrophes, more and more damage, more and more people being displaced. And at what point or up to what point can the federal government actually make things whole because FEMA is not a bottomless pit and, and I think we're really seeing the limits of FEMA with all of these different disasters coming on the heels of each other. Okay, well, uh, Joe Biden, uh, Cal, at least he didn't go and start throwing toilet rolls at people. <laughs> well, Matt, uh, I agree with a lot of what uh, Marion said, uh, including the old and decrepit part, and you come to me, so I guess I'm identifying with that uh, label. I so, never uh, said that, you... Kyle. You said that about yourself. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, I thought uh, Biden was really out of touch. You know, $700 per family. One critic, as reported by the Daily Mail, said that that's barely enough to cover a trip to the grocery store with this high inflation and, and increased prices everywhere. And then he told a bunch of these crazy stories that he likes to tell. He said he could identify with the loss of the people in Maui, which, by the way, he called the Big Island, which is a separate island, because 15 years ago, uh, lightning struck his home and almost killed his wife, damaged his 1967 Corvette, and nearly killed his cat. Well, as the Associated Press reported, the firefighters showed up uh, rather rapidly. The fire was uh, confined to the kitchen, and neither his wife nor his cat and presumably his Corvette were in danger. But these are the kinds of things that I think continue to convey, as Marion suggested, the lethargy, the out-of-touchness, the oldness, and the polls, which show that not only do a majority of Democrats not want Biden to run for re-election, but overall, uh, people are fed up with both possibilities of Trump and Biden running for re-election. Can you see anyone, Cal, on the Democrat side who would make a better candidate than Biden? Well, obviously, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. I thought you'd written him that. off loads of times. No, 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 no. Well, I'd write him off, I think. You were asking me about the Democrats. Uh, yeah. uh, 
Bobby's handsome. He's very articulate. He's very fast on his feet. Uh, so, and, you know, Governor Whitmer of uh, Michigan is another one. I'm not talking about their policies, which I would oppose, but I'm talking about in terms of engagement and, uh, and how articulate they are and photogenic they are. So I think there are a lot of possibilities. And uh, I, I just I don't think that, uh, you know, they're headed down that road. I, I still don't think that Biden is going to uh, be a candidate in the end. I think someone's going to come to him and say, look, you're going to ruin the party if you do this. You did a great job for four years. Step aside and let a younger generation come forward. I wish they'd do the same for Trump, but that's probably not going to happen. No, but Marion, what are the chances of that in the Democratic Party? I mean, surely can they be in a situation where they have nobody that they have the confidence in to beat Trump, that they feel that it has to be Biden to beat Trump, even if Biden is showing significant signs of slowing up in the way that you have described? Yeah, you know, I think this is a real problem for the Democrats. But look, if you look at it from their perspective, how can they tell Biden to step aside if he doesn't decide he needs to do so. You know, he had the best midterm results since John F. Kennedy. He's done a lot. He's had a lot of legislative success. You know, he's the opposite of what politicians are today, where a lot of politicians are all style and no substance. He's a lot of substance, but he's got no style. He's got no charisma. You know, he's just not a cheerleader of a leader at all. And I think that that Americans at the moment are just feeling fed up and disconsolate about a lot of things. And I think it's true and that that they don't particularly want either Biden or Trump and they're stuck with them and I think Americans are just feeling dumb about this generally but I mean how how it would have to be up to Biden I you know there are a lot of things he could have a a health situation between now and and uh, November 2024 but if he hasn't stepped aside already I don't think he's going to do it because a lot of stuff has to happen to get the ducks in a row to become a presidential candidate then what about Kamala Harris would it just be an open prize I think she'd be beaten easily in an open primary. I think Gretchen Whitmer would be a terrific candidate, mainly because I've observed what she's done in Michigan, which is a really tough state. A lot of diehard Republicans there. Her life was threatened there by extremists. Um, but she has a terrific team, an attorney general, a secretary of state, etc. And they really work well and they run that state really efficiently. So I think she has a good record to run on. Gavin Newsom calls absolutely right. But, you know, Democrats are going to vote for a rich, slick white guy at the moment. It's not really what they're looking for. Um, I, I think I think the 2024 election is shaping up to be a pretty grim affair all in all. And and um, I don't see Biden getting out of the way unless he's forced to buy, as I said, a health situation or something else. OK, and then let's talk about Trump and his decision to skip the Republican primary debate, uh, which is taking place tomorrow night. I mean, is this a logical decision on his part, Cal? given that he more or less has the Republican nomination in the bag. Well, he thinks so, Matt. But, uh, you know, when Ronald Reagan skipped the uh, Iowa caucus or caucuses and debate in uh in 1980, uh, he lost uh, the primary, the uh, caucuses. They don't have a primary there. They have caucuses where members of each party get together and vote on their preferred candidate. Uh, he went on to win New Hampshire and the nomination, obviously, the presidency for two terms. But Iowans and New Hampshireites are uh, are pretty uh, stuck up about this. They, they want people to show up. They want people to debate. They want people to shake hands uh, with the uh, voters. So uh, we 
we'll see. Now, he's done this interview with Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News. Yeah, which one which is the more obnoxious is... individual, Cal, between the two of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, which supposedly is going to run opposite the uh, so-called uh, debate tomorrow night. I call it so-called because it's not really a debate. You've got two presenters with eight candidates lined up on a stage looking like a police lineup, and they're going to be asked questions, and maybe they'll interrupt one another once in a while. But uh, I, I think, you know, Trump is Trump. Uh, Fox, interestingly enough, has limited the, uh, the the spin room, what they call the spin room afterwards, where uh, surrogates for the various candidates come and say, my guy, my woman, did better than everybody else. Uh, and it's kind of a tit-for-tat between Fox and Trump. Trump continues to say that Fox hasn't been deferential enough to him, which makes me laugh whenever I hear it. Okay, Marion, is this Republican primary debate redundant? Yes, it, look, basically what this is, and you know, I was in um, Iowa, Cal, when Trump turned up and the place went nuts. And this is the yeah. frustrating thing, I suppose, for the other candidates. You know, Ron DeSantis has been practically living in Iowa. I've seen him at a half a dozen different events. He's been dismal at every one of them pretty well. Uh, but Trump comes in then and he just, you know, everybody, it's like the Pied Piper. You know, everybody just scrambles to follow Trump. And I think this is what's happening with this debate as well. This is essentially I think, an audition for vice president. Uh, I think that the people who are going to be on that stage are probably thinking, look, we're, we're probably not going to be elected president, so let's go for vice president, because one way or the other, Trump's going to be a one-termer this time around, and uh, and they may see this as, as a way to get in. So I think there'll be very little criticism of Trump, except from from. Crim- Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson, who will be the only two who will, I think, take Trump on in any way. And I think the rest will just skate around questions and nod. And it all seems a bit pointless, really. But, you know, Trump is right. If I were advising Trump, I'd say, why would you bother? You're ahead by 50 points in most of the polls. And not so much in Iowa, where, but still in Iowa, where I was talking to a lot of people, they are either a thousand percent in the tank for Trump or they're really, really ambivalent. And it's about 50-50, I'd say. Okay, but Marian, then... I have to pick up quickly. Wait, yes. I have to pick up quickly on no, Marion's Piper analogy. The Pied Piper was leading rats down to a sewer where they died. So, you know, Marion, you may be right on that. Children, children as well. Okay, um, I want to ask you about the Georgia election case. Trump is going due to be arrested on Thursday. Carl, he's due to have bail set at €200,000 with the Georgia election interference case. What do you make of that? Do you think, does he have 200000 or will he have to have one of his whip-arounds from his gullible supporters to stump up the cash? Yeah, probably so, Matt. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, are they afraid that he's a flight risk? I mean, he's running for president, probably the most uh, famous man in America next to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I think this is overkill. Interestingly enough, Barney Frank, who you may remember was a liberal congressman from Massachusetts, has done an interview on Newsmax, the right-wing cable network here in the U.S., and he said he thought it was a mistake to indict Trump. The uh, the, uh, voters should decide, he said. And I agree with him. I think uh, if Trump were to lose, he would uh, be uh, irrelevant forever, uh, but, and he would clean a lot of the toxicity out of the Republican Party. So good for Barney Frank for saying this. Okay, but there's an interesting line in this, Marion, in that, that some of the bail conditions will include him not making statements about the prosecutors or about witnesses of the kind that he's made in the other 
cases. Now, could yeah. you really imagine a situation in which Trump breaks the bail conditions and they actually try and have him sent to prison? Uh, you know, I think that it would be obviously chaotic. But the other thing is that this particular prison on Rice Street in Atlanta is known as one of the most notorious prisons. It's a god-awful place. People have died there, prisoners in horrific conditions. Uh, I don't think Trump wants to spend a minute there. He'd probably have to spend about an hour and a half to two hours at a minimum. Uh, you know, if what they may do is they may say, if you break your bond, we're going to just keep the, we'll keep the bond. You know, we want the whole 200 grand, you broke the conditions. Uh, he doesn't like handing over money, as we know. Uh, but I, I totally disagree with you, Cal. You, I mean, for Trump to, to have no legal consequences for what he has done for the you know, the, the, the intimidation of people for, for trying to overthrow the election for all, never mind the, the documents and the payments to Stormy Daniels and all that. You cannot have a president who, a sitting president who tries to overturn an election who's then allowed to compete again as though nothing had happened. I mean, not in a democracy. It just makes no sense. I didn't say, I totally that, I didn't say there shouldn't be any consequences. Around. They should be consequences. Well, I'm just saying I don't believe a former president should be put in prison. I think that's going to create a tit-for-tat where Republican prosecutors around the country are going to try to indict uh, Democratic figures for whatever they can do. Uh, I think it's a big mistake. I think it further um, poisons the already poisonous atmosphere in this country. Well, he on. should pay penalties, Cal, but Cal, not jail. Do you say, hold on a second, because that presupposes that you don't have a fair trial. Yeah, because uh, surely well, I don't. I don't think there's any Democrats that you can accuse of doing what Trump did on January sixth. So you could say that Republican prosecutors could go after Democrats for what? Joe Biden, if he loses the next election, isn't going to send a mob to Capitol Hill and isn't going to put pressure on the Vice President Kamala Harris to refuse to actually accept the outcome of the vote. Well, Matt, you've already become the judge, jury, and executioner in this case. None of these charges have been proved yet. That's what these trials are going to be all about. And the uh, Fulton County uh, uh, prosecutor has scheduled, says she wants to schedule the trial for March 5th, which I think is the day before what we call Super Tuesday, with a number of states holding primary elections at the same time. This is going to gin up the view of a lot of Trump supporters that this is strictly political, or mostly political, and... And, uh, and and I think it's going to reinforce uh, their view of conspiracies and uh, and out to get Trump and, and whatever. You said judge, jury and executioner. I wouldn't believe in the execution <laughs> bit at all, Cal. Thank you very much, Cal Thomas and Marion <laughs> McKeown, for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM, as they do every Tuesday. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.